Wait a minute. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Adam's not with us today, but I'm here. I'm filling in for Adam today, so worthy of worship. Why don't we all stand as we join in and sing? Good morning, everyone. Man, am I glad to see you guys, and I welcome everyone online. I have the best news. I actually got Cliff Woodman to say yes this week. Starting next Sunday, we are going to start a Share the Bounty Room, and it's going to be located um, the middle room off of the foyer. Do you have any of these or these? Do you want any of these or these? I mean, I bet some of you that have these would like to get rid of them. Well, man, do I have a deal for you. Like I said, starting next Sunday, Please bring any extra vegetables, fruit, whatever you have, and we are going to make them look pretty and have our own little market, and it's all free. And what's so cool is even if you don't grow anything, please stop in there and take some tomatoes, cucumbers, zucchinis. Which one's the cucumber, do you know? Oh, that one, yeah, you do know. <laughs> do you know what that is? Good job. <laughs> So I, we just are going to try this, and anything that's left on Monday morning will be taken to the food pantry on Tuesday morning, and we are going to share our bounty with them. So it's a win-win for everybody. I'm hoping for some tomatoes. I love a tomato on my Sunday sandwich. <laughs> so, um, okay, you guys can have a seat. Thank you for your help. Okay, so now let's get on to the other ones. 
Um, and you know what? One more thing. Since I got him to say yes, I need you guys to show up with as much vegetables as you can and make this a success. Or he might say no next time. So, okay, so tonight um, there will be the chosen study led by Richard Hazelwood over in the chapel at 6 p.m. It's not too late to get involved. So please, if you've missed the others, please come. You won't want to miss it. And also Wednesday evening, the prayer and share at 6.30 is so much, well, fun. But it's, it's a good time just to sit and reflect and, and talk to your fellow um, members. So, okay, I'm going to ask Bob to come up and pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in your house today, that we can come here and uh, hear your word, and uh, may we go out and be a witness for you in everything that we say and do. Thank you again for everything you do for us, Lord, and uh, we ask these in Jesus' name, amen. Shall we continue to worship in song? Why don't we stand as we sing, praise him, praise him. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed redeemer. Sing over this wonderful love proclaim. Hail him, hail him, highest archangels in glory. sing a, a, a this is from a different viewpoint because I'm standing up here today okay but it sounded like that you was really wanting to praise him but you look like <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> you know so the next hymn we're going to be doing is have faith in God and by the end of this hymn I think we all should be smiling about the faith that we have in him and what he does for us. Yeah. 
You may be seated. Good morning. It is good to be in God's house. It's good to sing. Have faith in God. Praise Him. Praise Him. All those songs are good to sing. Love singing music. And today we're going to talk about Jonah. We're going to talk about Jonah. Now, I'm just going to give you a little spoiler alert. Upstairs, Teresa told me that they're doing Jonah too. But here's the, what they get and what you, you don't get this, okay? She just recently went to the beach and she came back with baggies full of shark's teeth. Okay? The kids get to see shark's teeth. You, you, you're going to have to look, hunt her down if you want to see the shark's teeth. Okay? I'm just going to tell you the story about Jonah. We're going to talk about today, God is listening. So as we're working through the book of Jonah, it's easy for us to get caught up in the... I mean, what's Jonah about? What's the first thing you think about when you think about Jonah, right? Is the big fish, right? Or the whale, all right, we, that's what we think about. I love this quote. Um, the story involves much more than being swallowed by a fish. All right, this was out of my Old Testament survey book. The story involves much more than being swallowed by a big fish. I think that's powerful stuff. Matter of fact, one of the things, and I'll, I'll share this, it's not up on the slide. We just did Jonah last week, Jonah chapter one. It, Jonah, Jonah's, it was like a TV miniseries, right? It's, it's like your Netflix thing. It ends, and you want to know what's going on next, right? That's, that's what it's about. 
So last week we talked about it, and we know that God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. Now, Jonah didn't want to go there, and why? Because they were the they were the bad guys. They were the enemy. That's why he didn't want to go there. And so, in, in it's also in my Old Testament history book, old sur- survey book, excuse me, that it says John three sixteen starts here. When God decided, if you want to look at the Bible and see that God, for God so loved the world, you're thinking about yourself and all your friends. But when you look at Jonah, for God so loved the world, that's where it begins at. He sent, God was sending Jonah to the enemy. Not just Jonah's enemies, but the enemy of God. They didn't worship God. They had their own God. They didn't want nothing to do with God. But God decides to send Jonah there. So, Jonah's an easy story. Four chapters, Jonah's an easy story to retell. It's one of those, it's a fishing story, right? So that means you get to use your hands. How big was the fish? Pretty big, okay? Your arms are not long enough to describe this fish that swallowed Jonah up. So the story, Jonah is called, we talked about that already, Jonah is called, Jonah runs. Jonah was, is supposed to go to, to, to Nineveh, and he boards a ship for Tarshish. That's like God sending you to New York, and you going to L.A., right? The opposite direction, as far as you know to get. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's all the bigger the world is, because you, you can ride a motorcycle on it. After that, you have to get an airplane, right, or a boat. But anyway, he runs. The fish, we're going to read about, at the end of chapter 1, we, he's thrown overboard, And God appointed a fish. Now we're going to read about the fish, the time in the fish. So we're going to read about the fish. Then Jonah gets called a second time. Hey, Jonah, would you like to go to Nineveh this time? Okay. So Jonah goes, and and he walks through. His job is to go through the city and to preach to them. He wasn't very enthusiastic. You know, only half of you passed. But compared to Jonah's expression as he walked through the city, you all passed with flying colors, okay? Because the last thing he wanted to happen was for those people to repent. And so he's walking through the city. He's, right? I mean, he doesn't want anybody to hear. God, the people repent because of the message. God shows grace, and Jonah's not happy about it, okay? Jonah kind of responds to that and pouts. So, I also want us to think about this, because there's a couple things that get complicated in the book of Jonah. How many of you have ever traveled in, we, we took a cruise ship one time, all right, uh, when I worked for the international dealer, they had award strips, and one of the awards, it was during the Rams Super Bowl victory, because we watched it on a 40-foot screen without commercials, but we won a trip to get on a cruise ship. The guy grabs our bags, and he walks us down to our room. I don't know exactly how, because we had to ride the elevator to get there. But anyway, the guy takes us to our room. We walk in, and the room is not very big. And, and over against the wall is, is a camper tabletop and bench seats. And he goes, would you like the bed made back into a table in the morning? Took a minute to figure out, oh, that is the bed, okay, because there's no bed here. So that became the bed. And there was no windows in it. I had to watch the TV camera that was outside someplace, the security camera they had on the boat there so you could see what was going on. It was daylight. That was bad. I know some of you have been on cruises. Has anybody been inside of a whale for your cruise? Does Carnival offer that? No, I mean, that, that's, that, it's a problematic story that he's inside of a fish. And so that causes some people to say, well, this is just a made-up story. Well, Jesus references as a, really sto- as a real story. Matter of fact, he's a historical figure, and you can find him named during the time of Jeroboam II. During the time of Jeroboam II. This is when it's taking place. It's during, if you, if you went through the 30 days of understanding the Bible, it is in that kingdom period. It is in the divided kingdom period. And he was a prophet to the northern kingdom, so they were still on their own. They would later get carried away by the Assyrians. 
All right. Well, later they could carry by the way of Syrians. But this Jonah is an actual guy, and he had an actual actual experience, and he tells us the story. And so, interestingly enough, as we're looking at the prophet, when we look at prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel and Daniel, most of those are built around the messages that God has given them to share. Jonah, on the other hand, is built around the experiences. In other words, what happened to Jonah becomes a story. The experiences and the reactions are the story rather than the message. So I asked you, asked you before, but I, I love this, this when it plays. It, it plays under these speakers on Sunday morning. It's a Toby Mac song called City on the Hill. And in there, because it's part of the My Hope thing from Billy Graham's thing several years ago, there's there's Billy Graham audio pulled out of his messages and played on top of the music. So the music becomes the background to that. And in that, Billy Graham says, it's the greatest revival in all of history, right? It's the greatest, it's the greatest evangelist, evangelistic campaign in the history of the world. And it took place in Nineveh. And we're going to read about that, but not today. But this is the, the groundwork that lays it out for that greatest revival. Over 600,000 people, king included, repented. That's powerful. We're happy when one or two people come down to walk the aisle. We're happy when one comes down when we offer the invitation. Imagine going through and not wanting results. But yet God works in a mighty way. So when Billy Graham references that, Nineveh as the greatest revival, understand that, that it is. I mean, to see those people repent from their sins and to turn towards God. So let's read it here. We're going to read the second chapter. Now, I will say this about the second chapter. I'm doing a little bit of background information on this and trying to study for it. Chapter 2 happens while he's in the stomach of the fish. Now, some people have a little bit of problem with the, the narrative because in the, in the fish, how did he see to write? And what kind of paper did he use? Well, I, my research found out that he used a Blackberry. <laughs> Never mind. All right, let's pick it up in chapter 2, verse 1. God, this is God's word. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. We're set up for next week, right? I mean, that's, that's to, to be continued. But let's go back and talk about what we're looking at here is not necessarily what happened to Jonah as much as we want to learn about God in this passage of Scripture. What do we learn from this prayer, that this psalm that's recorded for us that Jonah probably didn't write in the belly of the fish, but the Spirit led him to write it for our benefit. So God listened. Okay, God listened. Now, is this new? No, it's not new in the book, but it's reinforced for us. Because 
Did God listen back in the first chapter? Remember, God hurled the storm. God was in control of the, the, the sea and the wind and hurled the storm. And when that happened, and when Jonah said, you need to throw me overboard, what happened to all, the, all those sailors who had called out to their gods that didn't answer, that couldn't answer because they weren't gods? What happened? Well, God heard their prayers. God heard them, and the sea stopped. It's raging. So we know that God listens. But let's come back here and look at it in light of what Jonah says and in light of what happened to him, his experiences that become the message. So God listens. Why is it important for us to understand that God listens? When we, Robert stood up here, one of our deacons stood up here, Bob stood up here, and he prayed. He bowed his head, and who was he talking to? He wasn't talking to us. He was talking to God on our behalf. We call that prayer. Now, where did the prayer go to? Well, not online, but no, more importantly, who heard that prayer? God heard that. And so when we're looking through the book of Jonah, we need to understand that when we pray, that's why we pray, because God hears our prayers. And as we look at what God does, how he listens, we need to understand that not only can God listen, I can listen, but I can't answer. So it's important as we, as we look at the book of Jonah, we understand it, that as Jonah is in this fish, in the ocean, as a matter of fact, he's calling out to God, and God heard. God listens. It said that he prayed from the stomach of a fish. From the stomach of a fish. Remember that idea of praying from a closet? My, my New Testament professor, I loved him. He said, you know, when I understood the, the idea of prayer, does that mean you have to have a prayer closet? If you watched the one movie, that lady had a prayer closet, right? But he, he said this, Dr. Hammond said this. He says, you, you ever remember seeing one of those, because you've been there before, I think, you've been that young couple that, that they're Twitter-pated with one another? The, the, the building, the world could be falling down around them, trees falling over, skyscrapers falling down, buses falling from the sky, and they're just looking googly at one another in their eyes. They're just oblivious to everything else going on. So it's, it's that idea of prayer closet. Jonah was in a prayer closet. Okay? There wasn't anything else going on. Jonah was focused on God, and he prayed from the stomach of a fish. That's not something I recommend. But know that if you ever end up in one of these places in distress, what can you do? You can pray. And if God can hear Jonah from a fish, God can hear you from wherever you call out. Understand that. We need, we need to grasp that. Because here's the thing. I say that. You all shake your heads yes like you get it. But how, how many times... Is it that we're deep into our problem before we actually call out to God? Right? We, we know that God hears, but we're, gonna, we're not going to bother Him. Or we're going to handle it ourselves, or we're going to put our trust someplace else. Understand that we need to pray because God hears. And not only does God hear, but He can answer. He cried from, for help from the depth of shield. In other words, He thought He was dead. But he cried from there, and God heard his prayers. God heard his prayers. That's important for us to see. When you pray, there's prayer sheets on the doorways as you go out. All kinds of various prayer requests and prayer needs out there. It's not a sheet of paper that's empty. It's a sheet, of, it's a sheet with names on it and requests that God is waiting for you to grab and talk to him about those requests. It's why we do this. Prayer changes things. Too often we try to do it on our own. It's in these situations where we have nowhere else to turn that all of a sudden we figure out what we should have been doing all along. So we reached out to pray for prayer. So what happens after he prays? Well, God listens, and God rescued him. Okay, God rescued Jonah. 
God rescues Jonah. Do you understand? You know, as we look at Jonah's situation, can you think of a worse situation than being? When they threw him overboard, it's not standing water. It's not water. Oh, I just landed on my feet. It's, it's, it's life is over kind of, kind of thing. Um, it is, I, I don't know exactly where he was at. I know they tried to row for land. I don't know how far that was. Did a sailboat trip many, many years ago, like when I was 18 or 20, when I was 19 or 20. And um, we were out in the ocean far enough that you couldn't see land. And after the storm came through and we were in 10 to 20-foot seas and I'd gotten clubbed in the head with one of my concussions, um, I remember looking over the side of the boat and watching the, we were down between the dips and the, the, the waves were over here, uh, that this would not be a good place to fall into the ocean uh, because they'd be up, you'd be down. It's just not a good thing. Well, as, as bad as Jonah's situation was or is in the current narrative, Understand that your situation in your sin was much worse. Okay, it was an eternity without God if you don't cry out and God doesn't rescue you. So that's what, when Jesus hung on the cross. Jesus was reaching into the deep, the deep pit of sin, and pulling you out of it. Pulling you out of the judgment that you were meant for because of your sin. So when we read the story about Jonah, understand that it has much greater impact. And it parallels our story. We need to grasp hold of that and, 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 and relate that to others. There are other people who don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. It, they're, they're sinking. They're in the pits. They just don't know it. They need you to tell them that they're drowning without Jesus, and they need Jesus. But the beautiful thing is, He can rescue them. When those guys threw Jonah overboard, do you think that they ever expected to see Jonah again? Not a, not a chance. I'd love to hear part two, chapter six of Jonah, where Jonah stands on the dock and says, Hi, guys. Right? Look what God did. I mean, Jesus does that for us. So, you cast me into the deep. Let's look at some of the words of the Scripture. God rescued. Where was Jonah at? He was cast. In, he cast they, you cast me into the deep. He asked them to throw him overboard, and that's what they did. He went into the deep water, never expecting to come out of it. Water encompassed him. Swimming became futile there. He was at the point of death. And I love that phrase because it relates back to what, Jesus, what I said about Jesus, what Jesus does for us. You have brought my life up from the pit. Understand that it's more than being about Jonah. It's about what's available for us in our sin, in our separation from God. God listens. God rescues. Now, at this point in the story, the rescue happens to be where? On a Coast Guard ship heading back for shore? No. He is in the stomach of a fish. Let's not forget that. I'm not sure how rescued at that moment it feels. God sustains. Okay, God sustains. I, when I was looking back through that, I'm thinking, I think we, I missed this one. I don't know about you, but I miss this one. He's in a, in, a, in a stomach. How many of you watched those tiny home shows? How many of you had this wild idea? Oh, I'd love to live in a tiny home, okay? 
And, you're, and then you look at all your junk and you go, well, I'd have to pull three tractor trailers behind me, but I could do the tiny house. I'm telling you, the stomach is not a tiny home, right? It's not going to show up on HG television. Hey, we're gonna, I'm going to put my books over here. Yeah, it, just, it just doesn't happen, right? And, and, and to be honest with you, this is one of those parts where people have, where, where nobody can live in the stomach of a fish. It's an unbelievable part of the story. And that's what I said when, when I said that God sustains. There's no other explanation that Jonah got out of the fish, vomited out of the fish, and was able to go into Nineveh. There's absolutely no way that after three days and three nights in the belly of a fish that Jonah should be alive. He, he should be digested by now. Uh, processed, if you might term it that way. But that's what should be happening to Jonah. But Jonah is not. Why? Because God is there to take care of him in this very difficult situation so that he knows that he has been sustained. When they walked through the wilderness, they were not able to plant vegetable gardens with cucumbers and zucchini and tomatoes. They wandered around in the wilderness, and what did God do for them? They had manna. They had water. God sustained them. Their, their sandals and their clothes didn't wear out. For 40 years, wandering around in the world, what did God do? God sustained them. What did God do for Jonah? Here he sustained them. What's God doing for you? Do you understand that God on a daily basis is taking care of you. He is sustaining you. He's providing the sustenance for you. Oftentimes we look at that paycheck and look what I did for myself. I'm going to I'm going to give myself something and because all this hard work deserves a reward and I go buy something with this money that I earned. We neglect to remember that God gave us this job. I mean, you might think, well that's so easy for you to say preacher, you got a church job. I'm telling you, there are times when I forget. But God gave you your job too. God gives you your paycheck. God sustains you. We need to understand that. And so look at the picture of Jonah. He's in the fish. God listens. God rescues. But he's still in the belly of fishing. God is sustaining. And God is sustaining. Where do we put our trust at? Think about that. When we understand that God sustains us, that God takes care of us, then we'll be, when we go to prayer, how many of you prayer is consisting of, uh, you, you know to start out with a thank you because that's a polite thing to do before you start battering him with all of the things that you need? Okay. When you understand God sustains you, that, thankful, that thanks will, will not just be in the beginning, but it will be in the end. It will be more than for just, hey, thank you for today, God. There will be thanks for specific things because you understand that God has provided for you. So, it ends with verse 10. And I don't really know how, I didn't really know how to, um, I could have put this a couple different ways. I just put it, God delivers. Okay, God delivers. And what do I mean by that? God took Jonah, who was thrown overboard, a fish caught him, he sustained him in the fish, so God heard, God listened, God rescued God sustained, and now we see that God delivers. God delivers. We're going to pick it up from there. That's where the story continues. We know that it doesn't continue unless God delivers him. He spit him up, vomited him up onto dry land. That is God delivering. Did God have a plan? Yes, he did. God worked on all those miraculous things. And When the fish vomited him up, it wasn't in Tarshish. It was much closer to where God wanted him to be. So God has, because I, 
I, I thought about God moved, whatever. But I want you to know that as you walk through this life, God has ways of putting you in places where God wants you to serve. Why are you in that particular place? It may be that God has delivered or moved you to that place so that you can be a witness. Years ago, Pat Pajek, believe it was heart problems he had. And it never sounds like a good thing, right? It never sounds like, like when did God work? Well, when he, when he healed him, right? But God was at work all the way through that because as Pat was in that situation, he began to witness to all of the people around him. And there were people that got saved because God put him in that place. So understand in your current situation, you may not have been spit out of the belly of a fish, but God has you in a place so that he might use you not for your glory, but for his glory. Roll through this next slide here, up onto dry lands where he spit him. Let's talk about what do I do with this? You know what I love about the book of Jonah? It's about, a, oh, it's about a guy long ago that got swallowed up by fish, he got spit out of the fish, and now I know what happened to him. And then I can move on, and I can tell the story. Enthusiastically. You know, I, I, boy, there's all kinds of stuff to go with that fish. But here's, here's what I want to ask. Because what do we do with it? Because it needs to be more than me telling you about a guy and you going out and telling somebody at lunch today, hey, we, we, what'd you talk about at church? Oh, the guy that got swallowed up by fish. And how I was in the stomach of a fish for th three days and three nights. Here's what I want, you, I want to ask you. In other words, what do we do with this? What we learned was that God listens. And all of that flowed from God listening. How often, how frequently do you talk with God? Honest question. You don't have to tell me. But I want you to think about that. Because I am guilty, have been, you have been also, of not talking to God until you felt like you had a need that you couldn't take care of. Right? Anybody not guilty of that? Okay. So when I ask that question and I, and I look at the Scriptures, the Scriptures tell us to pray at all times. Not just when we find ourselves overboard of a, of a, of a boat in the ocean, but He asks us to do that on a consistent basis. So when I ask that question, how frequently do you talk with God? It's a question aimed at, let's improve on our talk with God. Some of us are very, very diligent. We talk with God in the morning. We talk with God at night. We talk with Him when we get up. We talk with Him when we go to bed. What about all that time in between? You know, you, as, as Dr. Hammond said, you don't have to be at home beside your bed to pray. Things could be crashing down around you. You're standing in line at Walmart. You can pray. You're in the drive through line of the Dairy Queen waiting for your big ice cream sundae or one of those blizzard things. You can pray. You can see a need and you can pray. How frequently do you talk with God? And what my, what my concept here is this, that if we could put a number on it, that what we do is have a goal that we would raise that number from three times today to four times tomorrow to five times a day after, that we work on getting better at talking with God because when we talk with God, what happens? God works. We get to see God at work, and we get to thanks for that. What situations move you to prayer? Think about the, when, you, when you prayed infrequently, what made you pray? Was it a health need, a job need? What was it that you that you decided, I'm going to pray. So those are the things I want to add. Because what we want to do is we want to pray when we see a sunset. We want to pray when we see a bird. I mean, you know, just all those things that doesn't have to wait till we're in crisis mode to call out to God. And what are your expectations? 
What are your expectations? If you were overboard and you were praying in the depths with weeds wrapped around your head, do you have an expectation that God is going to answer? Or have you given up? When you have a need, when we pray, the God that we're talking to can grab you out of the sea and put you in the belly of a fish and move you back to where he wanted you to go. God has the ability to do that. God has the ability to rescue you from the pit of your sin. So when we pray to God, is there anything that he can't do? But how often do we go to prayer? Because we know that's the thing to do, but we really don't have any expectation. We just fulfill the commitment that we were supposed to do. And we're kind of surprised when it happens. Wow. We ought to pray with expectation. We ought to pray with expectation. So those are the things I want you to think about. As we read this second chapter of Jonah, put yourself in the belly of the fish. Okay? God listens. God rescues, God sustains, and God delivers. Know that he does that. Know that he wants to hear from you before you end up in the belly of the fish. Okay, before you end up in the ocean. God wants to work in your life. God wants to rescue you from your sin. God wants to rescue you from the, the things that are wearing on you. God wants to work in your life. Charlie's going to come back up. He's going to lead it. We're going to stand, and we're going to sing a song. And we're going to sing this song, The Savior is Waiting is the name of the song. And, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to wait right here. Uh, God is waiting on you to respond to whatever God is doing. I, I learned this a long time ago. It's not what I've done. It's what God's doing. Oftentimes when I stand up here, I find out that they didn't, it wasn't because of what I said. It's what God did on Tuesday. So if God did something on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or even this morning as you're getting ready to come here and you need to respond to that, we're open for business. We're open for you to respond to God. We want to pray with you. We want to help you walk through whatever decision it is that you're feeling. that God may be calling, to, calling you to go someplace. Okay? We want to walk with you through that. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and today is the day you want to do that, let's come and let's work through that. Ask the questions so we get to that point where I know that you are my new brother and sister in Christ, and when time comes, I will see you in heaven. Let's stand. The Savior is waiting to prayer as they continue to pray. Let's pray with them. 
Father, just as we come this morning, Lord, collectively before you, Father, there, there are many requests, Lord, for in each of these people's lives. Father, things that are not on the prayer request list, things that have been labeled as unspoken, things that just didn't get shared this morning in Sunday school. Father, just uh, we know, Father, that you can answer our prayers. And Father, we just lay these burdens, these uh, problems, Lord, down at your feet. Father, with the expectation that we will see you answer. And Father, we we also come, Lord, we read the story about Jonah and see that you answered. Father, we're aware that over the years we have prayed and you have answered. I prayed and you saved me. Father, I just thank you for that. And Father, I just pray that as we go out this day, Lord, that you would use us for your honor, for your glory. And Father, to share your love with the world that needs to hear that, to give them hope. In Jesus' name, amen. So, on the screen here is our Have You Reds for this week, Second Chronicles, Job, Revelation, and now we're in Luke. This is another announcement. This is, you know, we're, I'm not bringing anything for you. Well, I, I'm, I'll share this with you. You've all heard about the movie Sound of Freedom. It's playing over in Litchfield right now. We're waiting for it to come from the Marvel. And it's about human trafficking. It's about slavery. Right? We thought slavery was abolished in the 1800s. Slavery now, there's more people enslaved now than there have ever been in the history of mankind. And that movie that I've not yet seen, we've not yet seen, but everybody that's went there, it has, it has made an indelible impression upon their life. As they see that, all right? It, it, it's one of those things, as reading an article, that, that it should move us like the shackles that inspired Amazing Grace, right? Just, just simply put. So we've done this before. I'm going to make this available again. There, there's some back there. There's some out here. There's some out here. Because when you look at that movie, you're going, well, what can I do? The fact is, that in our lifetime, we will probably come into the presence of somebody that's being trafficked. How will we know what will we look for? So this is spot the signs of sex trafficking. Take it. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on the dash of your car or tuck it in one of those side compartments so when you wander, you can pull it out and look. This also has the same kind of information a little bit differently. You, there are two different sheets. You can grab both of them. We can print more, all right? So just be aware that, yes, God can use you to make a difference. It's more than moving you to make, wow, did you see the movie? It's moving you to step into somebody's life and to rescue them. That's what we talked about today, isn't it? All right, so, hey, thank you. We have visitors in the house. I'm glad you guys are here. Glad you all showed up. And so if you're standing around a visitor, greet them nicely, okay? Encourage them to come back because we'd love to have you back. We'd love to have some new visitors in, okay? It was nice to go out and get our little welcome bags and do that. So what are we going to do? We're going to go out of here. We're going to serve God, and we're going to come back next week. So thank you, guys.